topics. King and country. Would you serve? That's Russia fair. claiming Alaska. Let me just understand that he signed something today that said the sale of uh, Alaska is uh, illegitimate. Right. Well, I, I think I can. I speak for all of us in the in the in the U.S. government to say that uh, certainly he is not getting it back. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, but honestly, like, so they're in denial. They're just lying to people. Which one would you say it is? Or playing the game? I mean, who says they're going to be worse than the Tories? As a brag. Hello, and welcome back to another Sunday roast. And we have two wonderful guests back again. Uh, Bowler Hatman, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, a up, as we say, from Yorkshire. Um, yes, I'm Bowler Hatman from uh, from the from the deepest, darkest Yorkshire. Uh, the best part, the best part of the UK by far. I know, I know those Lancastrians will claim otherwise, but Yorkshire were the best. So as always, uh, I like to talk about politics. Like, like to talk about sort of foreign affairs, especially. But yeah, though that's that's what I do. That's what I talk about on the YouTube's. Very good. And we have Big Maj Studio. Big Maj, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Just watch my one from last week. Did you see that they shut down the young conservatives? It's gone. Really? True. They ran out of 50-year-olds to uh, start. <laughs> Young-looking 50-year-olds, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you'll know. <laughs> but no, I cover UK politics. Um, Yeah, it's fun because our country's... Well, I say our. I say the country. The, the union is completely messed up. There's always something new to talk about with the union because... We don't mess around here. <laughs> and my wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Alex, also known as Political X. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a journalist. I'm a historian, author. I even coached a bit of football in back in the day. Max, my wonderful co-host, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and Brexit in particular. Um, Alex, would you be willing to join the, join the army? Um, we, we were just saying before we came on, uh, we were talking about the monarchy last week, king and country and, and all that. Interesting bit of research I ended up doing, the SAS character who claimed that he was there on operation with Diana. Uh, it turns out I found an article claiming that in 2017 he'd been brought back into the fold of the SAS. I, I don't know what to make of it. One minute... The police are saying there's nothing here and everyone's claiming he's got mental health problems to now we need him because apparently, and I think in agreement with this group, we have recruitment issues. <laughs> so who who in this group is up for king and country and charging the line and taking on the Russians? Madge, you, you, you game? I'm not gonna lie, guys. If I'm being conscripted, then we are in a very desperate situation because I'm not. I am not the guy you want. I've played enough Call of Duty to know I can't shoot straight to save my life. I bought a new game recently called Ready or Not, and yeah, there was a guy with a gun. I thought, okay, I'm gonna shout at him to put his gun down. No, he shot me first. And I was like, okay, cool, bro. And uh, yeah, I died twice in that game. So no, no, you don't want me. Trust me, I'm the last guy you want to be conscripted. Look, just, just don't. Ollie, what about you? I think it depends on the circumstances. I think if you're talking about the country being invaded like Ukraine uh, clearly has been, I think, you know, there might be no choice. I'd be quite happy to to go and sort of defend uh, defend the UK for certainly being invaded. Like I say, I think that is sort of firm's part of what I sort of believe, that if the UK was invaded, I'd, I'd gladly, you know, join up. I probably wouldn't go on the front lines. I'd probably end up in, like, logistics or something like that, but... If it came down to it and, you know, the UK was being invaded, yeah, I'd go for it. But the main problem at the moment is, as you said, there's a recruitment problem, not just in the army, but in the Royal Navy as well. This comes from, unfortunately, budget cuts, because guess what? Recruitment's been outsourced. Guess who to? Capita, everyone's favorite outsourcer. So, yeah, um, this is really down to sort of, um, once again, uh, private companies thinking they can do better than the actual uh, government in doing something and failing spectacularly. But the other thing I think that we should do is certainly increase wages and have a fundamental rethink of what we actually want our armed forces to be. I don't think, to be honest, we need a Navy that can go here, there and everywhere all over the world. I think we need a far sort of more uh, smaller Navy that can sort of patrol coastal waters and sort of defend out to the Atlantic as well. But we don't really need to be going all the way to the Asia-Pacific unless we really have to. Uh, but at that point, I think that would be more a joint operation to probably help defend South Korea against North Korea, because, well, Kim Jong-un's decided he might want to invade there. And, of course, I think certainly defending the democracy in Taiwan would also be something uh, well worth uh, organising an international coalition to help defend. 
it's not very politically po- like popular spending money on the military at the moment, especially during a cost of living crisis. So I, I don't know how they're going to justify more military spending in order to recruit more. But also, like young people today are, I, I've been just looking into this a little bit and people on the left are like, okay, well, why should I fight for the country? The government don't give a crap about me. You know, there's the cost of living crisis. They don't care about providing housing, providing decent wages for soldiers and um, and, and members of the Navy. Um, but on the right, they're saying, well, I don't want to fight for this country either because the Tories just want to flood the country with immigrants. So th- this is the, the, the argument on the right. Um, so there doesn't seem to be much appetite for joining like how could the government or a future government convince people to sign up anyone have any any ideas alex i don't even know if it'll get to that we'll just fire nukes at each other that's like the first first response it's, it's i mean it's bizarre that we're getting into this level of conscription talk um i've, I've seen a couple of people on twitter from right-wing media saying they wouldn't fight but you're like yeah but you're meant to be the nationalist you're the guys that are gun ho but I'll, I'll also say I've never seen any of them slag off the Russian embassy. And the Russian embassy have tweeted some horrific stuff about us. For many years, West has been establishing a neo-Nazi and Russophobic regime in Ukraine, flooding it with weapons. USA, UK and EU do not hide plans to recklessly invest in fighting Russia on the battlefield, using hands and lives of Ukrainians who are seen as entirely expendable. UK continues to discredit SMO in Ukraine and provide military support for Nazi regime in Kiev. Thus, 30 heads of British organizations in charge of coordinated anti-Russian hash disinformation campaign. History will eventually and inevitably pass its judgment on the current crimes committed by the Ukrainian Nazis and their Western patrons. Absolute silence. I've never, I've, I've pulled up some of the you know, right-wing trolls that we regularly see on Twitter as well about it. And they look at you as if you're like, you're the odd one for bringing up the Russian embassy that is literally in the UK tweeting how much we're garbage, how much we're useless, that we're the Nazis. They're calling us Nazis. And our right-wing trolls just carry on and ignore them. I don't know. In fact, led by donkeys, they're the only ones that seem to have done any activism to be sort of throwing it back at the Russian embassy. No one else has. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Ireland, Max. In in Ireland, yeah, there's calls for the the Russian embassy to be closed. Also calls for the Israeli embassy to be closed. I don't know if that's going to happen in the UK, though. Do you remember the gates got rammed? I love that. Well done. The guys that you would expect to be the most patriotic, frontline, I don't see it. Unless they've already been recruited into the army. Am I missing something here, or am I poking there? Am I poking there? I think it's all bravado. They're not about that life. Let's let's be honest now. Like they'll talk a big game, post pictures of Templar knights and stuff like that. But it's like you're you're not going to be on the front lines. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, picture uh, picture that re- reformation of the Roman Empire. What what did what did Trump have bone spurs? That's what they'll be saying. Oh, I've got like a knee injury, like a torn ligament or something like that from like ten years ago. That's what they'll say. They're, they're not about it. Like they they talk a big game, but if it comes down to it, they're not they're not going to do anything. Do you see King Charles in the front line? Like. We were talking about this last week as well, George. No. George II, Leading. William. Do, do, do you know what these guys will be like, right? You know, in the bit in Simpsons where they think the alien, the ants are going to invade or something like that. The Corvair spacecraft has apparently been taken over, conquered, if you will, by a master race of giant space ants. It's difficult to tell from this vantage point whether they will consume the captive Earthmen or merely enslave them. One thing is for certain: there is no stopping them. The ants will soon be here. And I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. Like to remind them that as a trusted TV personality, uh, I can be helpful in rounding up others to toil in their underground sugar caves. He goes, I, I for one, Ken Brockman's, I for one, welcome our new overlords. That, that's that's what they're going to be like. Let's let's be honest. Let's let's be honest now. I think Michael Dan Danbury, the GB News presenter. Are you aware of that guy? I've probably seen him. I don't watch GB News, bro. Come on. I do. It's gold. That, that's that's a trash. For you. Trash. There's yeah. <laughs> a presenter on there, and he was saying, "Nah, not gonna fight." I'm like, "So you want Putin to win?" 
I don't, I don't do understand know? if it's cho- either you get recruited and you fight Putin or you don't. Do you, do you know what we should do, right? We should tell Boris Johnson if you really want to be like Churchill, you've got to be on the front lines like Churchill was in the boat. It uh, wasn't he fight, uh, um, fighting in the boat war, or was it at least yeah, one and yeah. yeah, you know, you got to be like if you want to be like Churchill, you got to go out there, man. People remember you for that. <laughs> the ultimate trick to play on Boris Johnson. Could you imagine Rishi Sunak? Jo- Johnson would hire a, a body double to do it. I'm telling you, that could be there. You know, it wasn't Napoleon leading his army. You know, Rishi Sunak could be out there like Napoleon. You know, well, according to the Russians, you know, uh, Boris Johnson did lead like an SAS commando raid on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. So, what? <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was part of the the Russian propaganda when Rush when Boris Johnson uh, popped over. The Russians started claiming that he had led an SAS commando raid on the oh. Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. All I'm saying is, right, if Boris Johnson is taking out your guys, right, your guys have bigger problems. <laughs> if, if it's Boris Johnson taking out, you know, if he's the one leading the charge here, you're in big trouble. Little did you know, Boris Johnson behind you right now. <laughs> he's been in training fair. We've seen him jogging and being on the bike, to be fair. So maybe maybe he's been training this whole time. If I if I, if I put down my credentials as being I completed Virtual Cop 2, <laughs> came from the 90s, does that... <laughs> and you have to, you have to have a use, use a gun. You've got to shoot yeah. people and everything and make sure you don't shoot the innocents. Does that? Do you think that'd be good enough? Credentials? I, I wouldn't be boasted about it, but look, I've never played a war game in my life. I don't hey, know nothing I, about war. You know, I'm not about it. So, hey, I finished. Uh, what is it? Mad Dog McCree. Mad Dog McCree's gang is taking over the town. The mayor and his daughter have been taken hostage out to Mad Dog's hideout. Hey, Sheriff, he's locked up in jail. We're going to have to get him out to help with the gang. Can you help? That, uh, that was an arcade <laughs> I remember <game>. that. <laughs> hey, you. You and me, Ollie, have got we've actually got battle experience with Warhammer. I know. So we understand <laughs> cavalry tactics. Have the strategic minds. <laughs> this isn't World War II, World War One anymore, guys, or the Boer War. There's no cavalry charge here. You run in there with a cavalry charge, and that that tank unit is taking you out. <laughs> the, the Polish military learned that firsthand. You do not do horse charges on tanks. Lesson, so mess lesson, you up, man. Good lesson from World War Two. It's true, actually. Yeah. So is that but, a no from everyone then? Yeah, well, one of the things I wanted to say was, because um, you had an idea about how, how you would improve this, how you would sell this. Um, first of all, I think improve wages. I think that, again, has gone with sort of the budget cuts that we have seen the average servicemen uh, wage being reduced. I think you do a lot more to help improve benefits. I think you certainly help to offer housing like we used to do. Um, there was specific housing. I think there's still housing available actually in Edinburgh for ex-military service personnel uh, from that area. Um the other thing I think that we do is we actually have a serious conversation about how much military spending we actually do. Currently, we are at two point two, I think GDP. I think current spending NATO is... is minimum is three, isn't it? It's two. I think two two percent two percent. Um, we are seeing other countries now match that because of what's going on in uh in in Ukraine. Uh, I think what we need to do is it needs to be four percent. I think military spending should be about four percent, and the reason why I think that is that. A lot of our military capacity really needs to be built back up. Um, we have seen this throughout all this war. Artillery production, especially from us, has been absolutely negligible. Um, you know, the Ukrainians are getting more artillery shells from South Korea than they are from all of Europe combined. Um, that is there a are very some big problems threat. with that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very big problem um, for that as well. Not only that, but you've got to look at what's happened in Port Talbot. Uh, with the Port Talbot steel uh, blast furnace closing down, we're losing 30% of our steel production capacity here in the UK. That steel is a really important natural resource. Well, not a natural resource, Ollie, but Ollie, a can strategic I, resource. Oli, can I ask, as you, you, you have your ear close to the ground when it comes to labour, what, what do you see labour investing in military spending in the next parliament or, or do you um, see them stepping away? I, th- from I think that? we're going to have to. I think that's going to have to have a serious conversation. Uh, I've said this before, I think the left doesn't focus on some really key areas, which I think they just cede almost to the right. I think it's um, foreign policy, business, and especially defence. There are very, very few people on the left who are who are sort of defence experts and specialists. They are all very, very much from the right side of politics. So, oh. <laughs> I actually wrote a book on military strategy and tactics in the modern era, which I just completely forgot about. <laughs> Full of maps and facts. Yeah. Full of maps and facts. It, it might but... be the case that there's not just right, you know, because there's a guy I follow, right? Um, 
on YouTube. Oh, he does lines on maps. I'll let me see if I find his name. Bear with me one second. He, I don't think maps. he's is that his name? Is it lines <laughs> yeah. on maps? There's no way he's lines, lines on, on maps. He's, he's there, you know I, who I'm talking about. I don't think he's a based on is William Spaniel. That's his name. And so I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that right wing to be honest. I think the ones that they platform generally are for the right. They speak the old English and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know if that's true, but I, I think with um with the military spending right, it's going to be subject to fiscal rules because that's all they talk about Labour when it comes to that kind of stuff is fiscal rules. So I don't think Labour will increase. I think you got to if we're spending two point two percent, you got to look at where the money's actually going, um because you know austerity has played a large part in it, but also privatization and other things. Um these are things we need to look at. Maybe there are areas where we can spend the money better, um because it's not just about having uh, munitions about precision munitions and all that kind of stuff they're the expensive ones but they're the ones worth having because you can actually hit things properly so i think like you said earlier i think the uk does need to have a conversation about where we want to be because we're not a global navy power anymore we haven't been for a long time um but if we still want to be a major player especially with nato like we do need to buck up like how are you going to have two ships crash into each other like that's just mm. embarrassing like for all the stuff we've heard about the russian navy we've not heard anything that embarrassing when you have one ship literally just crash into another like, what the hell is going on with that? I, I genuinely don't know. And then um, they asked Grant Shouts about it. He goes, And in the Middle East, we have three mine hunters, and two of them collided uh, in the last few days. One backed into the other, thinking it was going forward, but somebody wired up the, uh, the engines in the wrong way, and the thing went into reverse. So now, instead of having three mine hunters, we've only got one. It's pretty humiliating, isn't it? Well, look, just as in aviation or, or many other walks of life, sometimes uh, accidents uh, and incidents happen, uh, I, there's a full investigation. But this is incompetence. Well, look, I, 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 you, you may know more than I know about it, in which case I've spoken to the first sea lord who's in charge of the Navy. Uh, he has assured me that there is an investigation underway. And as with all of these things, we don't say it's incompetence when we see an aircraft uh, come down, very rare occasion, just as this is, would be a rare occasion. It's right to leave the investigators some time to work out exactly what's gone wrong. Something clearly okay. did, and we need to see what it is. When he was interviewed about it, he said, well, you probably know more about it than I do. He actually said yeah. that to the journalist. He, he, might, he might do. He might not, have, yeah. might not have even been informed about it at that time. It's more bumper cars than battleships, really, at that point. But honestly, it's kind of embarrassing that it, that kind of stuff's happening. Like, if you look at the salaries for um, soldiers, right, like, for a private, it's 23,000, and just, like, that's not great for a person who's meant to take bullets for the country. In training, you're on about 18 and a half, which would be probably good if you're, like, 18 or 17. But, like, once you hit like 20, you know, your early 20s, like, yeah. you can make more than that in a full time job. It's embarrassing. Yeah, you can make more on that working at McDonald's. Honestly. Many and it's cases. just like, you know, we're expecting these people to hold, you know, weapons of death effectively. And we're paying them very little for people that are expected to stay away from their families for, uh, I think, half a year, generally, uh, more than half a year. And like, of course, no one's going to sign up when you're offering nothing. Mm. So if you then include, it's interesting you brought up McDonald's because we've got an obesity problem in this country. Stats came out today saying 25% of primary school children are now obese by the time they leave, which means that's shrinking your pool. I've heard members of the SAS and US Special Forces say, we can't recruit. We're having a difficulty recruiting because people are unfit. So you're not even fit enough to be able to get in. And then on top of that, I mean, Why you're right. Just There's... lower the standard. Make it easier. <laughs> No, like let's Brexit, not. Let's know? not. Let's not do that. Okay, that's not the military is not something. The, 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 these are not things you mess around with. Mm -hmm. But you you say that if you you just pointed out if they're actually in, in a firefight and they're up all night, which is perfectly plausible, or for or for days, you work out their pay. It's below minimum wage. No. It's I think it's four days off, four days on for one of the guys I was listening to, but he fought in Afghanistan. That was a long time ago, so I don't know if that's still. Hold. Oh, that's one I could have asked about this actually, because my brother's mates in the military. But I think generally, um, it's something like that kind of routine where you know it probably is below minimum wage. Let's be honest, or not far off. It's embarrassingly low for people that have their jobs are really difficult, um, and they're not going to have the money to have you know to be able to afford to do self care later on in life. And there'll be a big gap between from when they leave the military to when they retire. And I don't think the government allocates for that. Like there, there was like, there's a lot of problems with homeless vets. And I know Johnny Mercer mm. loves to talk about it and do nothing. And then he gets mad when people point that out. But I think that's the other thing as well, because I think people see that, like, you know, when you see those veterans come back from Vietnam and you just think, what the hell happened over there? 
And, uh, you know, when you send people into a war zone, yeah, it's not going to be as bad as NARM, but it's going to be pretty bad. And there's no after for these people. Flat. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter what the scenario is. It's bad. You will get PTSD. Again, yeah, that comes from more, but, but, more but spending. Never, if you have the right military spending, then, you know, the military can spend it on the, on sort of the post, the po- you know, the post operations uh, things. They can look into sort of more, you know, mental health stuff. So, again, this comes into more military spending and where that money gets spent for that uh for that for that money that is spent um again like I, say, this is why I think the conversation should be had and not be and we shouldn't be afraid to have the conversation because it just but gets the, closed down by the, oh, the problem is war. the <laughs> problem is though like the, the the two major parties will be scared of that conversation because they're going to say we can't afford that that's what they're going to say it's going to be well, subject to fiscal rules that's what's going to happen yeah we can afford it <laughs> just based on what that's not what they're saying though we right okay. Fiscal rules out the window. Uh, as soon as Rachel Reeves comes in, that's out the <laughs> what window. What do you mean? Who based on what? That's that's fantasy. That's out the window. That's fantasy. No, it's no, not. You're gonna have you're gonna have Keir Starmer come in into a labor into a, a labor government, and he's gonna have to realize sort of the reality. He's gonna have to have tax rises. That is the first thing that is gonna happen. And you can have tax rises in this country, no problem. We pay low to medium what the rest of Europe pays. We can have higher taxes in this country that go towards paying more social services, more into the NHS, more into a military budget, more into growth and development opportunities in this country. It will happen. So you're you're saying you guarantee it's going to happen, Rachel? Oh, I won't guarantee it. Who's she going to increase taxes on? I won't guarantee it, but it'll happen. I think everyone's going to get tax rises. Everyone across the board, like in Europe, people that people that lower middle earners, they're going to have their taxing tax burden increased even more than it is now. Probably. Yeah, I think everyone's going to have it increased, but I think you're going to get more back from what you get. I think I think there's the an element of they're going to go in and they're going to have the realize. I think they already know; they just don't want to say it. They're going to go into office and they'll probably come out in the first few weeks and go, "We've now looked at the financial situation left over because we're now in charge. It is horrific. We're going to have to put in a number of things to deal with this situation." I, I mean, interesting enough, that doesn't include rejoining or declaring to rejoin the EU. Again, I think that's going to be, I think they're going to come to the consensus that they have to. If you've lost 4% of your GDP from leaving the single market customs union, your only option is to rejoin. If you want to achieve proper growth in in the UK, you've got to rejoin. So, so what are you saying then? Are, are they in denial right now? Are they lying to people? What what is it then? If they're saying no, they're I think they're just things. I think they're being sensible at the moment because you've got a situation where they don't know if Labour were to come out and say, right, we're going to rejoin single market and customs union, the conservatives will just go, Oh, absolutely amazing, happy days. They've given us something we can finally latch on and claw to. And this will be a nineteen ninety-two situation all over again. Uh, I mean, with the single market, the UK can't just rejoin the single market like that. That 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 we've covered on the show. Oh no, that'll take time. Problem. No, so it, no, it won't happen. Now, outside of EFTA and or joining the EU, that's not going to happen. And that's one we've covered ad nauseum um, on here. Um, but honestly, like, so they're in denial. They're just lying to people. Which one would you say it is? Or playing the game, as it no, were? No, playing the game. They're playing, playing, the, game, playing the game. They will have to rejoin. And you can rejoin the single market customs union. It is not beyond the realms of possibility. There is no one How in Europe we... saying that we can't do that. I mean, the EFTA countries have ruled out us joining EFTA. So, outside yeah. of outside of those two organisations, how are you going to do it? Like, what, what's your what's your game here? What's your plan? You will rejoin the single market customs union. How? What's all are you going to do? Go to the Commission. To go to the European Union. Say we want to rejoin okay. the single market customs union. Other countries have tried that though. They, they've requested to join the single market, and they've been told no. Yeah, but we're in Europe. They're, they're the ones you're asking out in Europe. That uh, a number of things being said from the EU saying we don't want another Switzerland because that has been a complete nightmare. They don't want EFTA, and Norway has come out and categorically said, we're not having the UK in EFTA, because if they did... They said that was fine. Fire. When we left, they yeah. said that was fine. They oh, were saying, they? Norway we're not, said oh, that. We're not really, but now they've said, oh, no, that's fine. They relented after a while. Wow. So that, that position that's was fine. I, that, I, I we think, could have done that. I we think, could have gone into that. I, I, th- I think you're correct in the sense that they, while the UK was still a member... It could say, okay, well, we can we can work something out. But now that it's completely left, I think to rejoin, the only way is through EU membership. I, I've not seen any countries that specifically uh, specifically uh, joined the uh, just the customs union uh, and the single market. From what I've seen, uh, based on you know stuff I've talked about on this channel before, the countries have asked to join the single market first before they gain EU membership, and the, the um, EFTA countries effectively said no, we're not going to allow that because that would require a treaty change. 
So the only way into the single market is via EFTA or getting 40U membership. There's no join the single market. Northern Ireland's in the single market customs union, technically. It would take a year. Bro, like Northern Ireland. You would sign it, you would get the ascension. Northern Ireland are given a a special uh, dispensation because of the situation with Ireland being a member state and the fact that we were a member state. Then why can't the rest of the UK be in? Because we're not special. That's why. Northern Ireland is given a special dispensation. We can just ask. We can just ask and we can get in. They said when we left... They specifically said when they left, oh, we're not we're not really sure. We don't want you in this. And then they relented. And then the position from the Brexiteers became, no, actually, we don't want to do that. And then they pushed out, you know, Theresa May. Theresa May's deal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. because so then, the, they, what the EU didn't want was a hard it is entirely on the possible. island of Ireland. That's it, why. No, it's entirely possible to do it. It is not beyond the realms of fantasy. It is entirely doable. There is no country out there that is specifically now saying if the UK wanted to rejoin the single market and customs union in a there is no one out there. There is no the politi- no, There is an actual very good Yorkshire saying for that, actually, which is "Don't ask, don't get." So you can always you can always turn around and have that as a as a thing. It then depends on whether or not they're willing to do it. The other thing I could see as a backlash from that would be, I could see us, I could see the Brexiteers going nuts, going, mm. "Well, now we're a rule taker." This is exactly. even. I mean, Farage yeah. has actually said that. That would be a worse situation, which is why he hated May's deal so much. Go ahead, Max. You haven't spoken. No, no, yeah, no, it's, it, exactly. So it would it would actually be better to rejoin the European Union because then you'd be at the at the table making the decisions. While just being, I don't, I, I don't want to disagree with you, Ollie, but um, I I don't see a way into the European Union just or just sorry, I don't see a way into just the single market and the customs union, um, without being an EU member, especially for a country like uh like the uk because there are there are special cases made for very small places uh, small islands um and northern ireland is a very particular case but i i i think a country like the uk a massive economy like that the european union would say no no if you want to be in you have to be through uh, eu membership i don't for see a country that's like ours that's as big as ours the eu is not going to say no the idea that they would say no to an economy that's on its doorstep that is going to cause potentially massive problems if it diverges even more. We are seeing that now. We literally have every single business out there saying, please, for the love of God, align with the EU. Um, do not do not diverge. Please yeah, but that, that's in the with, UK. Please but, keep and, up and, with and that. The EU, and, and, and I, we just signed an alignment deal. We've done it before. We could easily get back in. It is doable. Uh, Alex, can you do I, me a favor? I do not can, see why we can Can you uh, throw in the clip of Tobey Maguire? He says, I missed the part where that's my problem. I need that money. I missed the part where that's my problem. Because that's what they're going to turn around and say to you. I missed the part where that's my problem. That's all, that's all that's going to happen. I would turn around and go... No, maybe, not. There's not. Maybe, no, maybe there is no, wait, wait, there wait, is not wait, that wait, negative wait. positivity. Like, there is not that... that I'm, I'm going to say this. For the EU's perspective, maybe it would be better if we were just a rule taker. And then we no, were in a single market we would, customs union. The, the, and we've got no say at the table. The, the reason the why... Feedback, hold on, Madge. The Sorry, feedback you seem to always get over and over again from from politicians that have tweeted is that we were a pain in the neck when we we're in there. Now I don't think that's a bad thing. I think having two perspectives within any democracy can be really advantageous because it gets you to really assess and test whether or not your point of view is correct, and therefore you're probably more likely to make a better assessment as a result. So I wonder if the EU might go. You know what? We'll take their market. We've already extracted a lot of stuff. There were horrific um, statistics that I saw today showing what's happened to our services. Services have pretty much flatlined, uh, gone exponential in Ireland and the Netherlands, which appears to look as if our service industry collapsed and it moved into the EU, which is mainly Holland and Ireland, which is incredible. I think Ireland took 37% of our- I think France has taken some as well. Yeah, yeah, Frankfurt. But I think as well. Ireland took the biggest chunk. It, it makes sense. I can I can see logic on both sides of this. I'm the, probably more likely to think, in the long run, the better way forward is that we fully rejoin. Maybe the, we could do it in part. We've got to ask if we're going to do that. But I mean, even before we get into that stage, we're going to have to have a referendum and go back to the public and go, "Are you happy to. with this deal?" Don't have but, to for EU single market ref, single market and UK acts for single market and customs union access. We don't have to because remember, Leave's mm. position was 
no one is talking about leaving the single market. Only a fool would leave the single market. Absolutely nobody is talking about threatening our place in the single market. Yeah, but we quote Daniel Hanan, Daniel aka Hanan, yeah. the brain of Brexit. But so that's not what was on the actual ballot. And, and, and David Cameron definitely also said, and yep. this is the this is the joy and the confusion. Like I've always said that Brexit and the referendum was like being told there's a buffet, pick whatever you want. Whereas we just had uh, the Remain side just had, this is it. What you've got now is it. There's no change. That's your meal. Eat it or not. And so because of that, David Cameron 100% said, if you vote to leave, we are removing ourselves. We are approaching one of the biggest decisions this country will face in our lifetimes, whether to remain in a reformed European Union or to leave. Now, Daniel Han also caused confusion. I think Farage caused confusion by saying Norway... ...of 19, effectively with a Norwegian-type deal, which is not what the people of this country voted for, which is not what the people of this country voted for. Well, I have to say that everybody from David Cameron to half this panel say, wouldn't it be terrible if we were like Norway and Switzerland? Really? They're rich, they're happy, they're self-governing. Actually, Norway, 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 Norway can afford to give people money. It's rich. It's, it's successful. Norway, 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 Norway. They're rich. Uh, they top the world's happiness index. They're allowed to catch their own fish. It would be ghastly if this country was like Norway. Can you imagine it? Rich, free, catching your own fish. Norway sells 75% of its overseas goods to the European marketplace. It trades with the European marketplace at a premium. It has opted to be a member of the European Economic Area, which is, in a sense, an anti-room for yeah. European Union. He but, would say they'd have yeah. to pay the cash and have none well, of the decision-making Yeah, well, yeah. well, that is straightforward untrue uh, because actually they don't pay their money to Brussels. They pay their money directly to some of the poorer emerging southern and eastern European countries. Norway. 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 They will put up with some of the rules, but they won't put up with all of the rules. But this idea that somehow life is worse in Norway and Switzerland. I heard Commissioner Pascal Lamy, the Trade Commissioner, say, but if Britain was to reject the Lisbon Treaty, we would be relegated to a country the status of Norway. 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 Rich, free, catching your own... It was, that's what they times. wanted, though. They wanted to say, like, our destiny's in our hands. We can, be, we can pick whatever model we want. But just to go back to some of the points you made, Alex, like... Could you imagine the UK as a rule taker? The amount of problems we no. would cause. We would cause yeah. all sorts of problems. Oh, we'd constantly moan. We'd constantly moan. We, we you had one of the. We would just take the rules and live with it. You had one of the one of the main major politicians in Norway a few years ago said, "No, we don't want you in EFTA because you'd ruin it for each other, just like you ruined it for yourselves." Mm. Yeah, and that's, then that relented. was Norway's position. They didn't mm. relent. No, they relented. What Norway they relented? Position. Norway relented. I'd yeah. love to see a source on that because we can't join Look it up. If if they wanted to. If 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 that was the case, then we could join after we can get single market access. It wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, they relented. It was they they said they they, they moaned about it, and then they they relented and said, no, if you want to join that, we, that's we're going to have to hire someone now. You realize because of this, and they're going to have to be our researcher that we hire in to come in the background and like fact check everything and make sure it's true. Well, I'm going to move us on because there was something else that you wanted to bring up, Ollie. Well, I know it's in which, here. <laughs> oh, it's in there. <laughs> Written by Ian Dunt. Um, okay, um, I'm going to move us on regardless of that because I wanted to bring up Alaska, which <laughs> which you brought up. So, Ollie, please tell us what's happening in Alaska and Russia. Okay, um, essentially, this the story doesn't really start in Alaska; it starts in Moscow. About two days ago, Vladimir Putin signed what is essentially a a new decree to say that historical uh, Russian property in any of the old uh, Soviet Union states or Russian imperial states uh, are now owned uh, or should still be, shall we say, the property of uh, today's modern Russia. Uh, this included, of course, uh, Alaska, as was said, but it also includes places like the Baltic states, the, the Grand Duchy of Finland, to to give it its old you know, Russian imperial name, uh, Moldova, Romania, uh, a large part of Poland, um, and also sweeping right into uh, Western Germany as well, because they are still claiming a lot of stuff from when it was built by, um, so you know, by the Soviet Union. Uh, they still own that. So 
it seems to be a large attempt to try and increase more destabilization uh, in these areas. And it's worrying to see what this is actually going to do, because a large section of the Russian budget, which bear in mind, already been spent in the war in Ukraine, is now being spent on this. So the question is, what is this going to entail? What do they mean when Putin means they can go search and reclaim these properties? Uh, that's a very big worrying question. Um, and even more worrying when you've got uh, the nationalists on Telegram saying, hmm, we might want to, shall we say, go retake places like Alaska and just turn up because there was a Russian businessman who put up a big sign a year ago saying, this is ours. <laughs> so, yeah, this seems to be wow. uh, the deliberate attempt to start a, a territorial dispute with uh, the United States. Um, but it also has, I think, very much deep implications for Eastern Europe uh, when it comes to, shall we say, things that Russia used to own, whether it used to be under the Soviet Union or, of course, the uh, Russian Empire. Russian Empire yes. Well, they own about, <clears throat> what is it, 20% of London? So does London also now come <laughs> under that? Is that is that where we're heading with London and, and the whole of Europe? That includes Germany, mm. Eastern Germany. They're going to retake just... Chelsea Football Club, aren't they? Well, this is this is what I think many people think why Putin's done it because there's been a lot of talk recently about liquidating the Russian assets and giving it to Ukraine. Uh, I think that would be a very good idea. Um, but there's a conversation in Japan happening at the moment uh, in there saying that oh, is this actually illegal under international law? Uh, the Japanese are very very hesitant to actually do that. Um, because they've got a lot of assets um, still in Russia. They weren't able to pull them out in time um, for this before the sanctions kicked in. Um, so they've got a lot of assets that they would lose um, liquidity-wise from them, which would hurt their economy quite in a significant way. So they're quite worried about uh, if, if other countries start doing this. But I think it's only going to take one to start going, well, there you go, Ukraine, that's all yours now. Um, but we'll see I what mean happens. I, I was saying this off air. This is no different till to what Israeli groups have been doing in the West Bank. They'll turn up and just go, oh, "That's our house," and and take it using using force. I I even said I think there was a case where twenty Palestinians were killed um, by what can only be described as people who claim to be Israeli settlers uh, moving into the territory and pushing them out. And it's just a slow noose around the area and tightening it very slowly it seems like putin's literally going to go well they can do it so can i and it's it, it's 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 an old age tactic it's no different to what hitler did with um the sedacent land in czechoslovakia he said that's a german population they want to rejoin germany we should be able to take it over I mean, the worst part about that was the fact that the British and the French signed over foreign territory that didn't belong to them to the German it's the Munich state. Agreement. Yeah, mm. when he held up the paper and he looked like a right prat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peace in Europe by giving away someone's land that I don't own and I'm not in charge of, and we've not asked their permission. I mean, yeah. and then he's hailed as a victor. It's just... I mean, he gave away their complete... Um, yeah, a lot of their uh, good land as well that, would, that they could have used for defence. There's a big mountainous yeah. terrain there. Mm. Yeah, including, I think but, the Skoda works as well, believe it or not, oh. which is just like, I think, don't quote me we, on that. We've yeah, all yeah, played Hoi 4. We all know where the best, <laughs> we all know where the best defensive territory is in in Czechoslovakia. You need but, guns but, or cars, Skoda Armaments has you covered. Well, but, but do, interestingly, do we see this? that is that is how, I'm oh, sorry, Max, I'll just yeah. say this. That is literally how uh, they, they took over, the the Germans took over the Skoda factory and used it for building tanks. And that's how they up their armory. Uh, Max, sorry. No, no, I just want to. So it's very interesting in regards to Alaska. So, are we going to see Russian assets being placed in or near Alaska? Um, and how would the and I was going to ask how would the Americans respond to this? Well, the Americans would respond in a sort of logical way, but maybe after November fourth or who's fifth or fourth, whatever it is, um, maybe they will respond in a different way. Uh, I, I don't know, bro. I think what we'll see is pew 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 America. That's all we'll see. Like well, I, they already I don't, have I, responders. I, I don't. I don't think. I, I think if people see, if, if if those Americans see someone who looks hostile, you know, th these people are armed to the teeth as is. They don't need a reason. Like honestly, if you think the green men are just going to run up on Alaska, like I guarantee you, half those people are armed. 
Like, uh, you know, they've got to deal with like, all sorts of wild animals like wolves and stuff. Yeah, they'll like, they're Sarah Palin. Definitely, they're definitely packing Sarah. here. Sarah Palin's <laughs> going to come out there with the MG being like, get out of here. But honestly, it, it's just, no, that don't, well, don't. A lot of it, a lot of it isn't it. populated. They could turn up and live yeah. there for 50 years and no one would know that they were there. They could be there now. They've been there 20 years living there. I, I think if you. they've gone past the US Navy, then fair enough, because <laughs> the US monitors that stuff real close. So if no. they've ducked past the Navy, um, then then fair, you know, maybe maybe you no. get a pass at that point. Yeah, there's a flag somewhere in Alaska. <laughs> Even if you get to take it, it's, it's, you know, congratulations, Russia, it's yours now. <laughs> maybe they've they've had a Russian flag there for like the last few hundred years, and then Russia <laughs> going to come back and be like, look, our flag was here first. Built up empires. We stole countries. That's what you do. That's how you build an empire. We stole countries with the cunning use of flags. Yeah. <laughs> you just sail around the world and stick a flag in. I claim India for Britain. And they go, you can't claim us, we live here. <laughs> 500 million of us. Do you have a flag? But then doesn't that mean that all the tribes that were there should then own it over Russia? Because Russia's only had it for, what, 150? Oh. And there were tribes in the area... Way, way before that. Yeah, but Although they, they didn't understand the contracts. So, well. yeah, it's a can of worms there. Yeah, the oh, Canadians yeah. and the uh, the the people in the USA are going to have a rough old time if if you start. Yeah, that you can don't mess with the Canadians. Did, yeah. did you did you know this? Shockingly, did you know that the Canadians have probably the biggest uh, war crime committing records on on scale. Well, they can't beat the Japanese. There's no way they've beaten the Japanese. It's oh, impossible. Oh, oh, they have. Oh. No way. Ain't oh, no way. Done. Ain't Tell no way. <laughs> Ain't no way they've Japanese. beaten the Tell us more, Ollie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the Canadians have on record uh, the highest committing of, of, of war crimes. Uh, so, um, they once, I believe, in World War I, um, told a bunch of German prisoners that they were going to throw food to them. They threw grenades. Um <laughs> There was a yeah they've they've done a quite a lot of stuff. So if you ever hear uh, the sound of um, you know what is it um, some Canadian pop star Brian Brian Adams and you know the smell of maple syrup run the other way very quickly. <laughs> I've seen it's... their ice hockey is pretty violent. So them being oh, yeah. friendly people is a ruse. <laughs> Don't play sports. ice hockey with them. Don't play ice hockey with them. It's, it's one of the few idea. sports where you can stop the sport and bring in a fight. All, all, all they Parker do made is chess boxing they grab the other guy and they just start punching each other with right hands and it's hilarious and then the, and then the referee comes over. over and just watches it's just <laughs> yeah the referee's like make sure it's a clean fight i don't you know i don't see any cheating here yeah but and then the ref comes the in with the steel chair <laughs> the ref the ref goes in with the rko out of nowhere Probably yeah but that's that, like i say ice hockey violent sport <laughs> Um, are they basically like? Are we heading? We're heading for World War Three, aren't we? If they keep doing, fair, think, if I everyone's provoking like they are right now, you got North Korea, you've got the stuff in the Middle East, you've got stuff uh, like both with Israel, uh, Gaza, you've got the stuff going on in Yemen, you've got stuff going on in Africa that's not really being reported in the news in terms of like coups being supported by what's the by Russia, the term? Africa Corps, by Wagner, Russian Africa Corps, or Wagner, yeah. as Wagner. well, and then. It just seems that the tension. China, just... Taiwan, Taiwan, Japan has had a couple of missiles go yeah. over the top of it from yep. yeah. North Japan Korea. Japan started rearming as well, so that that's going to be interesting. I think they they're either debating or they've decided to start rearming. Yeah, seventy eight yeah. missiles North Korea launched last year. We got Trump saying he'll pull out of NATO if he gets in, and Steve Bannon going on record, who's who was Trump's right hand man for election in his first election. Um, going on and saying, yeah, we don't give a crap about the eastern part of Ukraine. It would be appalling for peace in the world if Putin, you know, hangs on to a large chunk, about a third of Ukraine, as a result of an illegal invasion. The eastern uh, Russian-speaking border of uh, Ukraine is not in the vital national security interests of the United States. What's in the vital national security of the United States is the southern border of the United States about our sovereignty, our territorial integrity. And in addition, starting to have our NATO partners start to be an alliance and stop being a protectorate. The first thing the Europeans are to start thinking about is you've got to get up to the 2%, which I think the United Kingdom does in Poland, but you have to become an alliance, not a protectorate. A strong NATO, a strong NATO alliance where the individual nation states 
are actually getting militaries and paying 2% of their GDP, which they committed to with the United States as an alliance partner, not an overall security sure. guarantee by the United States, is the way to thwart Russian aggression. I, I mean, I don't think at present, I don't think Trump's going to win, believe it or not. Um, I think the Iowa stats were actually quite interesting. I think only 17% of Republicans actually came out and voted, but he still won with a landslide. But you're going, if he can only get out 17%, but it is the primaries as well. So you're a bit like, uh, you can take it yeah. in several different directions. I, I'm, re- I'm really hoping that when it comes to Trump, it's that people will look back and go, no, he, he, he what, what, did, what did he actually do for us? When he was uh, in charge, uh, I mean, if you look back at him and you realize he's the guy who told you to inject Lysol, then you, you realize that's not that's not not him. Yeah, but but most Americans is, don't care. That's the but, big problem. You've also got to remember in 2020. In 2020, it was the biggest electoral turnout in American history, and it was also the biggest electoral turnout for the Republicans and Democrats. So the the danger I think becomes for the next for this presidential election is that the democrats don't turn out yeah because i think that's the problem there's a lot of like biden malcontent going around uh, that oh biden hasn't really done anything he hasn't really achieved anything or anything like that when in reality he has the inflation reduction act something else uh, we probably have to talk about at one point like the inflation reduction act the impact it's having on the uk and europe at the moment is absolutely incredible it is sucking technology and jobs from the uk and america yep. like crazy um the works from the ways uk and means... america do you mean from the uk to america yeah yeah so the works and ways and means committee which has been sort of responsible for like workers rights there have been some fantastic moves and wins for unions and workers rights in america come from biden um yep. so there's been a lot of stuff actually going on but they just haven't talked about it so no scandals yeah, like even the Hunter Biden thing has been very much. Well, we've we've seen records. Republican push thing, isn't it? Yeah, pretty well. I mean, it looks like it happened. It's just that some of the major news corps just ignored it, as well as some uh, some of the major social media groups. I think Facebook and I can't remember. Maybe TikTok looked like they suppressed, or it's been claimed they suppressed uh, the release or the pushing of that type of material, the Hunter Biden thing. But it's the- not. It's not Biden himself. I mean, we can we can uh, argue that because he was yeah, vice president. That's what they're trying time. to tie it to. That oh, Biden was involved. Well, uh, yeah. there's no evidence. There's no tie to that. Just that you know, Biden just just happened to be his son. But if if that's the case, Jared Kushner and Trump with his, you know, and so you know, turnabout's fair play if they do that. I suppose. Uh, I think the biggest problem, the biggest two problems that Biden's facing is inflation, which I think is affecting a lot of Americans, mm. but also his re- response to um, the situation in Gaza has been especially bad, considering he's a guy who could probably end this, like he could stop this. Um, so I think that's one of the big uh, things that are going to cause a lot of apathy with people um, in America. You, when ju- just the, the argument of Trump could be worse, um, it just doesn't hold when one comes to committing genocide. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Do you um, think that by by November? And I hate to use this term, but it will be resolved. Um, and then it won't be such an issue for Biden. Probably, I don't. I not. don't think. I don't think it's going to be resolved by November. I think um, Israel is going to look to keep a security force in Gaza for as long as they can, um, and it's going to be very much like um, more of an occupation. If that makes it, it'd be more of a physical occupation. I think that's how I can see this go down. Probably at least a good few months. There was a very interesting thing that got pointed out to me. Do you? Do you? Are you aware of the project taking place in? Saudi Arabia called Neon, the huge line that they're building. Yeah, yeah, they, they caused a lot of problems. They they kicked out a lot of tribes in those areas to build that stupid thing. And um, yeah, it was not it was not good times. So when you look at it from you know a global map, you're going, why on earth would you have it connecting to the sea at that particular point, parallel with the Suez Canal? But you, I also know they're building a giant port there and they're building a giant tech center there, all on the coast going why are they building all that stuff on the coast but if you also listen to netanyahu who uh two weeks or three weeks before october 7th did a thing in the un where he showed this map and he said but i believe that we are at the cusp of an even more dramatic breakthrough an historic peace between israel and saudi arabia such a peace 
will go a long way to ending the Arab-Israeli conflict. It will encourage other Arab states to normalize their relations with Israel. Now look at what happens when we make peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. The whole Middle East changes. We saw another blessing already in sight. In the G20 conference, President Biden, Prime Minister Modi, and European and Arab leaders announced plans for a visionary corridor that will stretch across the Arabian Peninsula and Israel. The blessing of a new Middle East between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and our other neighbors. We will not only bring down barriers between Israel and our neighbors, we'll build a new corridor of peace and prosperity that connects Asia through the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Israel, to Europe. This is an extraordinary change, a monumental change, another pivot of history. And there's rumor kicking off that he's going to be building, part of that corridor is going to be bypassing the Suez Canal and having a secondary canal. That canal, if you look at it on a global on a global map and you look at basically that there's a mountain range, how do you cut through that? Well, the easiest and quickest and shortest route from the Arabian Sea all the way over to the Mediterranean is along the Egyptian and Israeli border. And guess what goes, what it has to go through? If, if that is what they're going to construct, it's got to go through Gaza, the border with Gaza and Egypt. And then you're going, right, so Saudi Arabia aren't pressing this and they're not taking sides or apparently not taking sides, but they're economically starting to entangle themselves with Israel. And they've just got these huge projects, coastal projects, and they all just so happen to be in the same direction as where this canal is going to go. Makes you wonder, are we? is everyone being played here quite handsomely in terms of what's actually going on? Because I'm looking at it and going, well, it seems that there's a good chance. It wouldn't, let's put it this way. If it turns out that Israel just goes, right, we're, we're taking over Gaza, it's now our jurisdiction. And then you get a canal through that. I'm not going to be shocked. And it seems to make a lot of sense because economically, that would be a massive, massive bonus to both Israel, Saudi Arabia, and unfortunately, it might cost us Gaza. Am I am I being a bit cynical here? I I, I don't think so because I think is um, Saudi Arabia has said that they do want a two state solution to the Palestinian solution, and they are willing to sort of normalize relations with Israel so long as there is a plan proposed to getting towards that. So I don't think they would suddenly sort of jeopardize that entire project by by building a canal. Which, to be honest, if they do want to build that, you know, the Suez Canal took what eight years i think to build so i think they would see a mile coming away if they would suddenly start building a, a canal and saudi arabia's got to diversify it cannot have oil as mm. its primary resource so how do you do it well ports and trade routes are normally like one of the biggest ways of making money oh go on max i can see you're nodding no 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 I, no i'm listening and i agree yeah i think you're right We'll have to wait and see, unfortunately, that we're at the end of the show. Oh. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Cool. Bye. Bye-bye. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.